Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. So two nuclear technicians got married recently. The bride was radiant, the groom was glowing. Two florists got married recently. It was an arranged marriage. Uh, Now, I got set up by God. got totally set up. My wife always joins me in February, always. She'll be with me next week, but second service she had to do Discover because everything went haywire. You got only me today. I'm sorry. I know, I know. I'm sorry. The best part, a couple times a year you get the best. Well, she'll have to help me maybe in the summer then, all right? So have you ever tried to learn a new skill? Anybody ever try to learn a new skill? Maybe like making a cake or driving a car? What if all the instructions, you know, you go to make a cake, what if all the instructions were not instructions? You know, do not turn the oven on too high. Don't put in too much milk. Don't uh, forget to spread it out. What if all the instructions were negative? What about if you were going to drive a car and all the instructions were negative? You know, like, don't go too fast. Don't, well, all right, so years ago, I was in, um, I was in um, driver's ed, and we had a girl in our driver's ed class that apparently could not drive. Apparently is an understatement. <laughs> So we're in the parking lot, and our driver's ed teacher puts her in the seat, and he's sitting there, you know, in the place with his brake on the floor, and uh, she puts the car in reverse, checks around her, and backs out of the parking spot. Puts the car in drive, and pulls right back in the parking spot. Puts the car in reverse, backs out of the parking spot, runs her hand over the wheel, but never actually turns the wheel. Puts the car back in drive, and pulls right back in the parking spot. Puts the car in reverse, backs out of the parking spot, runs her hand over the wheel, doesn't turn the wheel, pulls right back in the parking spot. We sit there for 15 minutes. Not goals. Do not, I don't know, what what would you say to that girl? What she really needs to hear is this. Turn the wheel. She was thinking all the don't do's, don't do's, don't do's. And what she didn't think was do the one simple thing she forgot to do. So also when it comes to love and marriage, when it comes to raising kids, when it comes to anything, a lot of us, we set what I call not goals. A not goal sounds like this. My mom or my dad beat me when I was a kid. I'm not going to beat my kids like my dad beat me. That may be appropriate, but can we all agree that is incomplete? Because a not goal does not say how you intend to discipline and train your children. Are y'all following me? All right. So when we approach marriage and when we approach relationships, it seems that most of us want to approach our lives with one another and with God with not goals instead of clearly stating what the goal is. 
Now, the reason I'm doing this is I've heard people say this. I'm, I'm online. I'm on several different forums. I interact with people. Oh, my goodness. Some of the people I've interacted with online. Anyway, <clears throat> what I hear is stuff like, well, Jesus never said anything about blank sin, this, this subject. Because Jesus never said anything about blank, therefore, it's okay. Has anybody heard that other than me? All right, so, all right. So what I want to do is I want to talk to you about why Jesus didn't say not goals. He didn't, we have 613 commands in the Old Testament telling us what not to do. Jesus' ministry was one of telling us what to do. Are are y'all following me here? And if you, all right, so we got got a target, all right, right here. Got a target we're going to put up on the screen. This target right there. If that is God's will, the center of the bullseye is God's will, anything other than the center is sin. Are y'all following me? God made you and I for a reason, for a purpose, and we are best designed both physically and emotionally to find our fulfillment in the center of God's will. But what I find everybody trying to do is they try to figure out how many rings can I go out and still say on the target? How much sin can I get by with? How much can I get away from God's best design for me and still go to heaven? Or usually it's how much can I get by with and not go to hell? And if your question, if your question is, what can I do and not go to hell? (laughs) You might be in danger there. That's all I'm saying. All right. Jesus didn't say against everything because what Jesus did was he showed us how to live for things. John 10.10. It starts with, uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I have come that you may have life. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And I don't know why that's there, but that's all right. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So what did Jesus, we'll get it figured out. It'll get figured out. It's okay. It's all right. Just listen to me. I'll tell you what to think. All right, you ready? I'll tell you what to think. Think about God's target for your life, not all the things you miss. If you're focusing on what you can get by with, you'll never live your best life. Instead, focus on what Jesus gave us, which is God's will, the target. All right. Yeah, Jesus came, by the way, according to his own ministry, Jesus came to do away with all the not rules. He came to nullify, abolish, complete, fulfill. Those are New Testament words. The law. So Jesus did away with the not goals, and he wants to show you how to live in the true goals. So when we come to marriage, what is, what is his will? All right, let's not even say marriage. Let's say our own sexual identity. Let's say our own sexual desires. Let's say our own bodies and how we're to live in them. What is Jesus' statement about how we're to live our lives? Would y'all be all right if we just looked at what he said to do rather than what he said not to do? Well, good. Would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word? 
In this conversation that we're going to read about today, Jesus reveals the target of God's will for love, sex, and marriage. Not pursuing every tangent, but pursuing the middle of the target. Mark chapter 10, verse 2. Some Pharisees came to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful? So they're asking, is this in the not world? Can I do this and get away with it? We'll come back to what the discussion was in just a second. But is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And Jesus said, well, what did Moses say? What did all the not rules say? Let's go to the next one. They said, Moses, notice the key word there. What's the key word? Moses did what? Permitted. permitted. Boy, this is going to help you understand. Moses permitted a man to write a wife a certificate of divorce and to send her away. It was permitted. Why did Moses permit this? Because your hearts were what? The only reason it was permitted is because you weren't willing to live in the center of what is best. Do y'all see that? It's because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning, God made them male and female. For this reason, for this reason. Since God made them what? Since God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and become united to his wife and the two will become one, not just one ideology, but one flesh. And they are no longer two, but they are one flesh. And then he said this, therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. Therefore what God, in the making of one flesh, you become one, and when you become one, God says, you're supposed to stay that way. Let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this, and he answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her, and if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. All right, Father, I ask that you would give insight to your word today, that we would hear it, we would understand it, we would learn from it, and we would hear what you're really saying, not what we've been told you said. Would we actually listen to what you're actually saying today? And I pray you'd help us find the target that we can live our lives in. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. We're going to jump straight into this. So the problem of divorce. Let's, now, I, I want to be very, very clear here. And I really need to be very clear with you. And I need you to listen to me for just a second. A lot of people have said a lot of things about these passages that have been skewed and taken out of context to create guilt and shame more than it should be, especially in the subject of divorce. So what I want to do, instead of telling you all the things you ought not do, I just want to focus in on what Jesus said to do, and I'm going to have to do some prohibition so you understand what is outside of this circle a little bit at a time. But let's talk about the divorce situation. Mark chapter 10, verse 2, says some people came and tested him by asking, is it lawful? Is, there, is it okay for a man to divorce his wife? And he said, what did Moses command you? And he said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Can, can we just start here real quick? God never commanded divorce. Moses wrote a law that allowed it. It's in your Bible, but it wasn't God's will. Most of the not rules in your Bible were not God's will, 
But God had to tell you how to handle these situations because you had already made up your mind to goof it up. Are, are y'all following this? God gave us what to do and we have tried to find ways around it. Come on, right? Like your taxes? Come on, anybody look for ways to not pay your taxes? And you will get creative and you'll go to lawyers and you'll go everywhere you can to not pay. Right? Okay. That's how most of us approach God's plan for our lives. And what he's acknowledging there is it was never God's will that there would be divorce. But your hearts are hard. We'll come back to that. So let me go back to the original law then. It's in Deuteronomy 24, 1 and 2. And this, this passage is talking about what happens when divorce happens and there's, well, obviously if a divorce happens and you got two younger people that get married and get a divorce, well then obviously they're both not going to live celibate the rest of their lives. Can we acknowledge that? At some point, if you, if you want a relationship with a person enough to pursue a relationship with a person early in your life and it breaks up, you're going to pursue another relationship. That is human nature. Can we acknowledge that? Okay, because we're designed to want relationships. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing. There's your key word right there. A woman becomes displeasing to him. And he writes her a certificate of divorce and gives it to her and sends her from his house. And after she leaves his house, she becomes the wife of another man. We'll just stop right there. So what Jesus is, is being confronted with here is there were two Jewish rabbis, one by the name of Shammai and the other by the name of Hillel. Now, Shammai and Hillel lived about a century before Jesus. And they had become the talking point of this discussion in the culture because in those days, women had no rights. And by the way, ladies, if you have rights, you should thank Jesus Christ for that because Jesus actually is the first person in, in antiquity to really give rights to women. And part of the reason you have rights today is because of Jesus and Paul. <laughs> Jesus made women in his ministry and gave them power. Anyway, we're not getting into it. And Paul, Paul did even more than that, but we'll not get into that. That's, that's when I preach on a different subject. So Shammai, remember guys had all the power in the relationship. Shammai said adultery or some serious breaking law was what was displeasing or indecent. So the woman had to have adultery on him or had to do something really egregious against the law, like murder or, or something like that. And then he could divorce his wife. That's what Shammai said. But there was this other guy named Hillel. And Hillel said, displeasing or indecent means anything she does you don't like. Including if you're not even attracted to her anymore. Therefore, if she's indecent or if she's displeasing to you, if you don't like her that much, you can just divorce her for any reason. They even, there's a, in the Talmud, there's even a statement that if she burns your toast, you can divorce her. All right, so when they approached Jesus and they said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Notice they're having a cultural conversation here. How much can we get by with and still be God's people. So, <clears throat> the popular view was, of course, you can divorce for any reason, because guys were saying, hey, if I don't like my wife, I'll just go get a new one. Now, and you thought, 
You thought the Bible was not relevant for today. Hmm. So Jesus' response begins with a rebuke. In Mark 10, 5, he says, It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. So the only reason Moses had to write the law is because your hearts were so hard that you wouldn't do what God told you to do in the first place. <laughs> so the rules of the law are written because of a refusal. Can you put that target back up there again? Please, I'm sorry, I'm jumping you around. But if you can find that. The, the only reason that law is in the Bible is because you don't want to do God's will. You want to do what you want to do, and you want to see how much you can get by with and still get to heaven or not go to hell or get whatever blessing it is you want from God. And that is the core of the issue because hamartia, the Greek word sin, it means to miss that mark, to miss the mark. Sin is God's got the perfect design for you, and you refuse to do it. Okay. That being said, um, since Jesus went back to Adam and Eve and talked about them, I actually have um, a video of Adam and Eve's first fight. I'm not sure if you knew that, but we, we have ancient sources have found the video of Adam and Eve's first fight. I just thought I would show it to you today just because we're talking about Adam and Eve. Big. Looks better on you than the previous owner. What? I'm having a hard time losing these last few pounds and sparing your children, and that's the best you can do? I look better than a goat? Thanks. Babe, you know you are the most beautiful woman on the planet. What? I'm the only woman on the planet. Well, I can't help that. You know, and it's amazing that as the only woman on the planet, you still can't seem to remember my birthday or give me flowers once in a while. Well, I did give you a rib. Oh, right. I forgot about that since you haven't mentioned it for an hour. It's like your free pass to never lift a finger for me again. Never lift a finger? I am out there busting my rear all day. Food just doesn't pop up from the ground. I have to get it with the sweat of my brow since someone went and got the ground cursed. You think farming's hard? Try raising those kids. Try giving birth. Well, if someone wouldn't have taken advice from a talking reptile. Oh, here we go. Are you talking to me, little snake? What? Oh, jump off a bridge? Oh, I would, but they haven't been invented yet. Oh, eat this fruit? Well, you look like a pretty trustworthy snake. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, well, we were until you went and pretty much ruined it for all of mankind, so good job with that. I seem to remember you taking a bite, too. Well, I thought I was eating from the tree of the knowledge of restfulness and serenity. Right. It's never your fault. Besides, what was I going to do with a fallen wife? That would just be weird. Oh, you fell for me? You're an idiot. Idiot? I named every single animal. Right. Great job with that. A, a prairie dog's not a dog, a seahorse isn't a horse, and a bald eagle isn't bald. Well, I was going pretty fast. Aardvark? Platypus? Okay, they were at the back of the line. Not everything can be cat or rat or bat. Hippopotamus? Yeah, well, woman was taken. <laughs> okay, how many gorge do you have back there? That was a joke. Not good for men to be alone. <laughs> no, it's great. <laughs> uh, 
I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. That sounds like most of our fights, don't we? We start on the subject and we just go everywhere, right? Maybe we'll talk about next week, keeping it to the... Anyway, so what is God... Speaking of coming back to my target, what is God's will? We're going to describe God's will. Um, Jesus didn't get into a theological discussion about the meaning of the word, what it means, indecent, or those things. Instead, what he gives us is a clear definition of what God's will was. So he didn't get into, well, indecent means in the ancient languages and blah, blah, blah. He just said simply, hey, let's go back and let's read what really happened at the beginning. And he, he talked about God's design and creation. He talked about our identity. Our bodies are created to reveal the image of God. Our identity is, in Genesis 1, our identity is given to us. Mark 10, uh, 6, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And Genesis 1.27, so God, <coughs> God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That's why, back to the target idea, that's why there is so much attack on sexual identity in our culture is because what Satan is trying to do is to attack the true identity of God and the true purposes of God that he has designed for you. Because Satan hates the image of God in you and your best thing you can do is find God's identity for you rather than this culture's identity for you. Second of all, priority. He tells us priority of relationship. The relationship with a spouse is to be the most important human relationship that you have. Mark 10, 7, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. For this reason, a man, who leaves, by the way? The man does. Who never leaves? The woman. Why? Because men... The hardest issue you will face as a man is to choose your wife over your job, over your sports, over your TV, over your escapes from life. The hardest thing you will do is to choose her over everybody else. So the, the very purpose of marriage is from the very beginning, God says, man, your job is to prioritize your wife above every other thing in your life. Yeah. Women don't have a problem with that because, well, let me see. Genesis 3:16. To the woman he said, your desire will be for your husband. So your curse, ladies, is your husband. <laughs> don't elbow him. <laughs> Do you know what your curse is? That you want to be in control of your husband. Yeah. Des- they have a problem keeping their desire on you alone. And you have a problem with trying to control because you want everything from them. You think they are your source rather than God. All right, I, I, I've gotten my notes. I need to keep moving. I got a lot to say here, but I'm trying to point you at the target, all right? The marriage is also a, mess, a marriage of God's will is, a, is unity. The union of the man and woman is designed... For unity, in Mark 10, 8, the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but they're one flesh. 
maybe a little later this summer, uh, when I'm going through 1 Corinthians, we'll talk from chapter 7 about sexuality a little bit more, but I just need to say a couple of things. Number one, sexuality is designed to consummate and celebrate the covenant of marriage. I'm going to say that again. Your sexual desires and parts are designed by God to, uh, to um, celebrate and consummate, to consummate in, in the beginning and to celebrate ongoing the covenant of marriage. So, when the way God designed it, the pieces fit and the pieces do something. The pieces fit and the pieces do something. The only way you get procreation, which is one of the reasons for sex, procreation, the, I'm going to say one of the, not the main, the main is consummation and celebration. But procreation, procreation means literally that you get little ewes running around. The only way that works is within God's design of one man and one woman. Because two guys and one woman, it doesn't work. And one guy and two women, it doesn't work. Or any other mixture of any other thing in the world. The only way it works is one to one. Can we at least acknowledge that? Okay. So sexuality is meant to bring the two into unity and intimacy. No, notice sex. Can, can I just talk a little bit about sex? It's my favorite subject. <laughs> uh, all right, se sex. When, when sex between one male, one woman happens, the predominant way it happens is face-to-face, belly-to-belly, right? Face-to-face, face-to-face. That face-to-face -face sexual interaction is one of intimacy because you're naked. There's interaction. All of that happens and it's designed by God for more than just to make babies and more than just pleasure. See, our, our world worships pleasure, and I'm, I believe sex is more than that. Sex is designed, you ready? It's like God designed it to fill your soul, not just your emotions. God desired it for intimacy and unity. Uh, so when sex is practiced in unity and intimacy, it is a reenacting of the making of the covenant. You know, we've talked before, right? You know how you make a covenant? You take an animal, you cut it in half, half over here, half over here, and there's blood on the ground. You walk through the pieces, right? You know? <laughs> the visual, right? So, so what, is, what is sex within marriage? It is a reenacting of the covenant. I wonder if anywhere else in the Bible God said we should acknowledge somehow the reenacting of the making of the covenant. Like when he made the covenant with, um, oh let me see, Noah. When the covenant was made with Noah, I will not destroy the world ever again by water. Next time it's fire. So what did he do? He put what in the sky? A rainbow. And every time you see a rainbow, you're supposed to remember the covenant of God, which is interesting to me. Um, what about baptism? The waters parted. You know, the waters parted. And they walked through. And, and Paul says that is, a, 
That is a, a, a reenacting, baptism is a reenacting and a celebration of the covenant of God's deliverance from slavery. Are, are y'all following me here? Marriage, Passover, I could give you numerous. That's what this is. Do you know what this is? This is a reenactment and a celebration of the covenant of Jesus giving his life for us. And Jesus said this. I, I, take your bread out if you would, because I want to read for you. Matthew, where am I at? Chapter 26. And while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Hold on, notice this. No. Covenants always do what? He took the bread, he broke it. Did y'all see that? And when he had broke it, he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. There's a covenant being recognized here. We're going to come back to it in a second. But Jesus' body being broken upon the cross and his death was going to enact the creation of a, of a new covenant. So Jesus, I thank you today as we partake this bread. We celebrate what you did upon the cross and your covenant you have for us. Let us partake with glad and sincere hearts. And I pray that your name would be elevated. Amen. Let's partake together. So then what happened? Then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So there's a moment on the cross when Jesus is on the cross. And the soldier takes the spear and he shoves it between the third and fourth rib. Oh, sorry, this side. Straight into the heart of Jesus. And it brings forth a sudden flow of what? Blood and water. We know from, from science that what's going on in that moment, the pocardium, which is the sack around the heart of Jesus, was literally pierced with this flat sword that was shoved up into his heart. And when the, seer, the, the spear was pulled out, it brought forth the water, which was in the pocardium, the sack around the heart, the water, and then the blood. And the blood pouring out of his side was the establishment of the new covenant. Notice there is a, and a flow of blood. Jesus, thank you for the giving of the new covenant. And that today we get a chance to celebrate it. Thank you for your forgiveness, your cleansing, your mercy, your love and your goodness. And we thank you, Jesus, for the new covenant you established for us. Amen. Amen. Let's partake. All right, so how many of you have celebrated communion once in your life? How many more than once? Many, many, many times. Hmm. Why? Why do we celebrate it over and over and over again? Reminder of the what? The covenant. The new covenant of love, forgiveness, and intimacy with Christ. In a marriage, in this relationship of covenant marriage, sex is not a honeymoon night only event. It's to be an ongoing event. Within the covenant of marriage, it's to be ongoing. 
in that sharing of intimacy. So a couple of thoughts about sexuality. Any activity outside of the covenant of marriage of one man, one woman, for life, anything outside of that misses the will of God. Are you following me? So Jesus didn't tell you who not to have sex with. He told you who to have sex with. One man, one woman, for life. Anything outside of that in the target is somewhere out there. Are y'all with me? All right, just saying. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, this is what Paul said about it. He said, it is God's will. You want to know what God's will is? It is God's will that you should be sanctified. The purpose of sex is not... The purpose of marriage, honestly, is not to make you happy. It's to make you holy. And the way you become holy within marriage is when you devote yourself to the right things rather than wrong things. All right, so I've got to hurry because I've got a great illustration we've got to do. All right, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own stinking body. What are you supposed to do with your body? Control it. In a way that is holy and honorable. Not in a way that is fulfillment of whatever lust or pleasure you have. It's not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of his brother or sister. What? Sexuality outside of God's will is not just a sin against you. It's a sin against every other person in that person's life. Especially every other relation in that person's life. The Lord will punish all who commit such sins, as we have told you and warned you before. For God did not call us... Listen, forget what the world thinks is right. Can we talk about what the church lives as right? I'm not debating what the world thinks. I want you, as a believer of Jesus, to know something. You are called to holiness and purity. God wants you to live the right way. Quit worrying about everybody else for a couple of minutes and worry about your stinking self, would you? <laughs> so sexual sin is wrongdoing, not just against yourself, but against everyone else. So, I got an old suitcase here. This suitcase will remember... I, um, it will, it will, did somebody want to help me? Got somebody who wants to help me? Just needs one person. All right, come on, up, come, on, come on. This is Joanne. Then this suitcase is going to be Joanne. And Joanne, yeah, come on up here. Come on up here. I got it. So Joanne, when it was just you, it's just you. Can you handle your own baggage? Sure. Okay. All right. <laughs> but you know what? Joanne had a case of puppy love years ago. Aww. That still hangs with her. You know what? Uh, Joanne had her first boyfriend. Oh, boy. Got rid of him, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then she had this toxic. <clears throat> oh, that's going to come apart. And then, you know, she had a guy flirt with her at work. She had another person flirt with her. Oh. Greek, I couldn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> and then she got married. Whatever it may be. All right, all right, here we go. All right, let, 
this is no big deal. All right, so there you go. That's your, this is your love life now, Joanne. Okay. This is your love life. You ready? Ready? I'm ready. You pick it up. Don't, don't get a hernia. She has developed strength from all of these broken relationships. I take care of old people. <laughs> all right, so if you got to walk around carrying that all the time. I'm going to have a hard time. You're going to have a hard time, why? Um, too much. It's too much weight? Yeah. Too much weight for you to carry. Oh. So. I'm really hot now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not menopause, though. Yeah, <laughs> no. <it might be. laughs> all right. Well, all right. Thank you, Joanne. Because, um, thank you. Listen, my point in this illustration is this. Is every relationship you're in adds more weight for you to carry relationally. You ever get in a fight and you... I know this never happened. Somebody compares you to somebody else they dated before? That's never happened. Oh, no. no, that never happens, right? Every single one of those experiences is more baggage. So you've got a choice. You can put these in your bag, or you can put these in your bag. Which one's it going to be? And what, what we want, what I want you to understand is that God has called you to holiness so that you're pure in your commitment to one man, one woman for life. Okay? Just very clear. Because I don't want you carrying a bunch of baggage. Uh, the last thing we need to know about this is it's not temporary. This union is to be separated by death only. That's how covenants end, is by death. So Mark 10, 9, therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. So the union of marriage is consecrated by God himself and what God has joined together. So God's the one that consecrates it. So by the way, that being said, sex within marriage is not dirty, it is pure, and it is useful for celebrating the intimacy and the knowledge of God between the two of you. And if that's not happening within marriage, there is a problem. D did you hear me? Go get some help. If it hurts, get it fixed. If, it, you know, if it's a mentality, if, if you were sexually abused and you carry that, do something about it. But let's, let's do this. Let's have healthy relationships with one another because this isn't a temporary relationship and we need each other. So um, let, me, let me just... Uh, well, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and share you my notes, all right? The NIV 2006 uh, changed the way Malachi 2.16 was read. I believe it's a good verse, but I don't think it's the best one yet. It says, the man who hates and divorces his wife. So it's equating hatred and divorce as one and, and does violence the one. So hatred, divorce, and violence are in the divorce idea. So divorce is a, um, those items are there, but I like the original, more original reading. Um, the more original reading is found in the NET, and Malachi 2.16, the NET says, uh, I hate divorce. Can you give me that? I hate divorce says who? Divorce. 
So let's understand who hates divorce. God does. God hates divorce. Why? Because there is violence in the divorce process against the sanctity of their own identity. And anybody that's ever been through a divorce will tell you there's violence done to who you are as a person. That's the reason you carry those weights. So, so that being said, we do everything within our power as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to fight against divorce, to fight against the things that lead to divorce, to do the things that bring us to intimacy with one another. Because divorce was never God's will, is not God's will, and the only reason you get there, remember what Jesus said, is because your hearts were hard. Either one or both party have hard hearts. So if one person develops a completely hard heart and they have nothing to do with this other person, that, that happens. That happens. But divorce never happens because you both love each other as much as on the day you got married. Divorce always happens because your hearts get hard. And that is not God's will. God's will is that you repent, and part of repentance is you change the behaviors that you are doing that lead to that hardness of heart. And anyone that's ever been through the process of a divorce will tell you, don't do it. Fix it. It's better. You don't stand at an altar and say, I swear to live and love you the rest of my life because you hate the person. So something changed between then and now. Let's fix what it was that's broken. So <clears throat> God's will defined. So let's look at the target. This is the target God's will defined. One man, one woman for life. That's God's target. Anything outside of that target is not God's will. So listen to me clearly. Sex before marriage is not God's will. Lack of sex after marriage is not God's will. Sex with someone other than your spouse is not God's will. Fake sex through visual images is not God's will. Misplaced sexual identity is not God's will. Misplaced loyalty, either on your kids or yourself or your family or your career is not God's will. But we don't need to know all the things that aren't God's will because we know what God's will is. All those things are outside. But if we focus on what his will is, maybe we'll choose to love one another in the kind of way that makes it strong for long term. Last thing I need to say, and to do this, we've got to go to the Matthew passage of this scripture. Y'all all right? If you, would y'all get, somebody give me a minute. Somebody give me a minute to keep going. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All right, good. I got enough. All right, Matthew 19, 9. The disciple said, I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, this is the same story in Matthew that we just read in Mark, except in Matthew, uh, he gives us a little bit more information. He said, uh, and marries another woman, commits adultery. The disciple said to him, if the situation, if this, if the only way we get divorced or something, it's adultery, the disciple said, the only, if this is a situation between a husband and wife, then it's better not to marry. Jesus replied, yeah, not everybody can accept that word, but those to whom it's been given can. So those of you that are single, you are not second rate. If you're put in that situation and you're single, Jesus said it's actually better. Well, Paul will break that down more later. 
Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, or there were eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others, and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God. The one who can accept this should accept it. Well, two questions. Wouldn't it be better not to marry? The short answer is yes. <laughs> I got all kinds of scriptures, but Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, 28, but if you do marry, you haven't sinned. A virgin, if a virgin marries, she's not sinned, but those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you that. So, short answer, yes, it's better to not marry. Jesus says it's better to be single for the kingdom of God than to live unholy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus said it's better to be single for the kingdom of God than to live unholy. So the second question is, well then, if something does happen, are all future relationships adultery? And the short answer is yes and no. There's both a yes and a no there. If you are in a covenant relationship with this person and you get out of this covenant relationship to go establish this covenant relationship with the person, yes, it is adultery. The first time you step from this to this, it is an adulterous relationship. Why? Because this covenant was broken by that act. Well, it may not be you that commits adultery. It may be your partner that you had that cheated on you. <laughs> As soon as they do that, the covenant's broken. Are, are y'all following this? So, yes and no. Because God... Well, Jesus expects both man and woman to find a new partner. And that we found out in Deuteronomy chapter 24 and in Matthew chapter 19 and in Mark chapter 10. The expectation is you will find someone new. And God does not look on this new relationship as an unclean relationship, but he says, discard this old one and step into the new one and stay there. If you're going to commit to this one, commit to this one. If you're going to commit to this one, get rid of everyone else. Are you all following me? So those people that say, you're divorced and remarried, you, every time you have sex with your remarried spouse, you're having adultery. The answer is an answer of no. Why, how do I know that? Well, let me give you one more. 1 Corinthians seven fifteen. Is this too heavy for you guys? Is this too deep for a Sunday morning? Y'all following me? All right. But if the unbeliever leaves or the person breaks the covenant here, the brother or sister, the other one, is not bound in such circumstances. You're no longer bound. Now, if you choose to rebind, that's your choice. But how many covenants are we supposed to have with someone in our lifetime? So, if you've had others, premarital or four marriages or whatever it is, let's do this. From this moment on, from this moment on, and Paul really goes into this 1 Corinthians 7. From this moment on, what are you going to do? I'm going to live this relationship. One man, one woman. Are y'all following me? Yes. All right. So you don't need to live in shame and guilt for what you did yesterday. But let's not add shame and guilt to tomorrow by going against what we know we should be doing. So if you're living with someone, stop it. Yeah. Or get married. Stop this game. Come on. Come on. Stop it. No matter where you are in this process... If you're not pursuing one man, one woman for life, your heart is hard. And you're making excuses to why you don't have to do what's best for you. 
Those are called calluses. And calluses make your heart hard. And what you really, really need is you need help. So, you can't carry this mess alone. <laughs> Guys, there's about 130 pounds and 150 pounds in there. Yeah, yeah, you can't carry this alone. You're not going to walk around with that all day. You know what you need? You need help. You know what you need? You need help. So we had a, uh, and I'll close with this and then we'll be done. Had a sump pump break in my basement. I still don't understand this, but I live in Northeast Ohio where they take all the water from my yard, dump it into my basement, <laughs> so a little pump can pour all the water back out. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever had a sump pump go bad on you? Well, well, guess what happened? We lived on a street that for years the electricity, the wires weren't, or the tree limbs weren't cut, and every single windy day we would have, and windy days happen during rainstorms, right. it would touch the wires and the power on our street would go out. And my sump pump would fill up, and you know what would happen? My power was gone. And you know what, we, we got down there one time with buckets. We started getting a bucket and pouring it out the window and a bucket. And, and you know what you cannot do? You cannot deal with 50 gallons of water a minute with a bucket. Even three people, it isn't going to be happening, right? Are, are, are y'all awake? Y'all know what? Do you know what we needed? Do you know what we needed? We needed power. You know what we were doing? We were doing our best to handle it ourselves. And it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So when it comes to this problem in your life, what you need is power. Power to commit to the right thing, power to do the right thing, power to be the right person. What you need is power. Now, didn't we talk about it earlier in the service? He's holy, holy, holy. I'm not. What do I do? I call out to him for help. So I'd like you to bow your head with me. I want to ask a simple question. If you're in this place today and you need the power of God to deliver you, you're, right now, you're not living the one man, one woman for life the way you ought to. Maybe your heart's getting hard. Maybe you're cheating. Maybe you're watching porn. I don't know what's going on. You're doing something that's outside of one man, one woman for life. You need power right now. I want you just to call out to Jesus. And if that's you... Come on, your heart's getting hard. You're, you're making excuses for getting angry. Whatever it may be, and that's you, and you need help, I want you to lift your hand as an action, as a statement of, God, I need your power. That's you right now. Come on, come on. Anybody else? Come on, I know my hand's up. I, I, my heart gets hard. I am in need badly. Father God, you see those of us that are reaching out to you right now. And I pray, Father, that we would commit to your best and we would reject all of the rest in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. One more question to ask. If you're in this place and maybe you're making all these excuses and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord, today is the day you need to be saved. I'm going to ask you to do something really crazy. There's a guy standing against the back wall back there. He's got a little table next to him. He wants to talk to you. Before we leave today, why don't you drop by, talk to him, and we're going to believe that God is going to save you and give you a new hope and a new future and a new life. Quit making excuses for your desires. Let's follow God. Would you stand with me? I'm going to dismiss you in prayer, and I think they're going to sing us out of here. Jesus, I pray that today that verse in Ephesians would be real. 
that we would put on the new self, that we would be made new in the attitude of our minds, and that we would be created once again in Christ Jesus in true righteousness and holiness to give you glory. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Bless us today. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.